What up, Wizards fans? A way to help me and help support this show is to go to Sneakis, S-N-E-K-I-S dot com, DMV Sports Apparel, and at checkout, enter playoffs. And all your purchases, I get a cut, and it helps me continue on to do this Wizards independent media that I know you enjoy. Now let's get this show started. Yes, sir. And now... It's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam McGinnis. And you might be alright with that. But I can't waste my time like that anymore. I know everybody goes to the same dark places. Sometimes in the dead of night when you think you can't make it. You might find I left a light beside the bed for What is up, Doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Roll Show. We discuss a team on the brink of their season, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is May 11, 2017, and oh my goodness, that sucked. Royally. Awful. The Washington Wizards fall to Boston 123-101 to in Game 5. The series now moves back to D.C. on Friday night with Boston leading Washington 3-2 in their seven-game series. With me today to discuss all the misery is my sidekick, 1A to 1B, uh, the man that I don't know if he's ever hidden bushes like Sean Spicer, Mr. Rashad Mobley. Rashad, what is up, bro? How are you? You know, I've done some things with bushes, but I've never hidden in one. <laughs> You've never avoided the press by hiding in bushes? I love that no. story for some reason. I think it's I've hilarious. Also, I've also never worn mismatched shoes. So. <laughs> I am guilty of that. Uh, actually, way too recently than I'd like to admit. I had similar black ones. Uh, <laughs> and I also had my shirt inside out at work a couple of months ago. And I was like, wow, no, not one person, no, no coworkers give a shit what I'm wearing. I got my shirt inside out the whole, the whole morning. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how much they care of me, my my coworkers. But Rashad, yes, let's commiserate. The Washington Wizards put up a stinker, probably the worst game they've played, arguably in the playoffs, definitely since Game Three in Atlanta. Your takeaway of the disaster uh, last evening that you we all witnessed? You know, I sat here on the lap the last podcast we did, and I said that I was worried that. It would be a perfect storm of sorts where you had Marquise Morris kind of talking trash about we were trying to blow them the fuck out. Uh, Isaiah Thomas barking up the ref's tree trying to get them to kind of swing the calls the other way. And just the fact that no home team had, uh, no road team had won yet. And I just felt like it was a very dangerous confluence of events. And what I didn't expect is for Avery Bradley to morph into Steph Curry and just hit everything and I think I was watching that game I was at a bar as I told you I was at a bar at halftime my boy was like uh, I'm going to give this five minutes but they don't cut it below 15 we're leaving and it, it never went below 15 and we Where, left where'd you, where'd, you go, where'd you go watch that? Uh, the Brixton oh nice yeah. but I just the thing that struck me is there were so many I mean and Scott Brooks touched on it at the end of the game there were so many examples where 
there was just no effort. And there, there was just two examples that come to mind. One, uh, I believe Avery Bradley had the, had the ball, kicked it up to Jay Crowder. Bradley Beal was just kind of barely running across half court. He wasn't running full speed. Had he run full speed, John Wall wouldn't have had to cover two men. He could have just went with Crowder, cut off the baseline, but he couldn't do it because no nobody, uh, Gortat and Beal weren't down, and he scored. And then there was another play where Gortat, who is by all accounts faster and more and quicker and more limber than Amir Johnson, just kind of bullshitted his way up the court. And I don't remember who for the Celtics missed, but Amir Johnson was right there for the follow-up. And Gortat was just kind of jogging five or six steps behind. And, like, that was – that's the microcosm. There was no effort on defense. The offense was rolling after a while. But, you know, if you're not stopping anybody, you're never going to get closer than 15. And, you know, my father today, when I talked to him, was like, how much of this do you think is on Scott Brooks? And how much of this is you think on the leader, John Wall? And I thought that was a very good question because to me, if you're a coach, it is your job to get your team ready. And it's not like Scott Brooks has not been in more hostile environments and more dire situations. You tell your team, we need to come out right away. We need to hit them in the mouth. If I don't see good things out of you right away, I'm taking you out of the game or I'm calling a quick timeout. And I just, I didn't see anything done to shake them up, to get any urgency. And it just snowballed. And by the time they got it together, the deficit was too large. So it was just, you should not wait until you're on the brink of elimination in the second round of the playoffs to come up with a stinker. You know, ask, ask the Houston Rock right now. Yeah, I, I agree. It was disappointing on so many levels. And Rashad, the thing that we've always talked about, the keys throughout this series of each game, all right? Get off to a strong start. For the most part, the Wizards have. Beal and Wall need to show up, especially Beal. Uh, someone on the bench needs to contribute. They got to solve the pick-and-roll defense, especially on Isaiah Thomas. You know, the Wizards have to shoot well, definitely from three-pointers. And the team that seems to be the tougher team always seem to have the advantage. They failed on every single mark of those, Rashad. Like, like horribly. Not only did they get up to a poor start, Boston goes off. The Wizards start on a 4-0 run. Boston rolls off 16 points. And all of a sudden, before you know it, it's 22-10. to uh, Beal was 0-5. for Wall and Beal started so poorly from the field. I think at one point they were like 6 of 23 uh, from field goals late in the second quarter. Pick and roll defense was, I mean, it contributed to what you were discussing about not being able to get sh- shots. Definitely the Wizards did not shoot well. The Wizards were th- shot 38% from the field. They were 7 of 29 from three, 24%. And they were not tough. I mean, there was one play that really embarked it was when Marcus Smart, I wanted to bitch that he was over Markeith's back. I see the replay. He literally just ripped the ball away from Markeith. Kind of goes into what you said. Markeith's been running his mouth here and there, backing it up somewhat. And that's a great example of like, okay, it's all right to have death row t-shirts, but a guard like Marcus Smart should not be ripping the ball away at the rim from a power forward. I mean, that should just not happen. And and that is what I feel like is just so disappointing because they failed on every single miserable thing. And I can't even bitch about the, the refs. Even though I think early the Wizards didn't get some calls, but I'm not Isaiah Thomas, so I'm not going to sit here and complain about the refs, uh, even though you know I do love to do that the whole time, because that had nothing to do with this loss. This was, it was highly questionable, the effort and the focus that this team had. This is arguably the biggest game of the season, once again. You know, 3-2 to 
down two threes is totally different. The stats in the NBA, I think it's 82% of a team that wins game five when you're tied 2-2 goes on to win the series. I mean, that is a huge difference. Now, you know, they still have a chance. It's not over, and we're going to discuss that in a little bit. But I was just mesmerized by the fact that this team did not show up to play. And it looked like a middle it looked like an end of a back to back in the middle of the season against some team that maybe was a little bit better and they just coasted it. And not like, yo, dude, you're in a hostile environment. You're on the road. You have a chance to put your stamp on the season. The opportunity is there. You've worked your butt off to get back into this series by kicking their ass two games. And then just at, at the end of the first quarter it's thirty three to twenty one. And then at halftime it was what was at halftime? Sixty seven to fifty fifty one and they have 60, you go up 67 points in the first half. You're not going to beat anyone on the road doing that defensively at all. And not only that, they allow Boston to shoot 58%. And the most concerning thing that happened, not, it not only affects this game, but it's going to affect game six, is that they allowed Avery Bradley and Al Horford and Jay Crowder, for that matter, to wake yep. up. Yep. I mean, they're, they're, they're confident now. They're Avery Bradley... There's no way he's going to shoot that well, but he's going to be more aggressive. And now one of the questions I'm going to ask tomorrow when I get to the game is, do you feel like, I want to know from Scott Brooks, do you feel like you didn't play well on defense? And if you play the way you're capable, you can shut down Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder or Al Horford or was your defense so bad that you were waking a beast in them? And now do you have to adjust? Like, do you have to have a different game plan because you've awakened the beast? And that that's a big concern. Al Horford was doing whatever he wanted. Avery Bradley and John Wall was right after a game after the game. A lot of what Avery Bradley was getting was on fast breaks and secondary breaks, but he still hit he went. Oh, he made five. a bunch of tough shots though. Right. And Isaiah Thomas this sets the scene for Isaiah Thomas. Oh, he's not gonna be tired. He's not gonna be worn down. He can have a huge game tomorrow night. You know, and so it's just it, it, it was it was it, it was just really disappointing to look up. Like, if, if I told you what the score was of the game, the first thing you would ask me was, damn, how many does Isaiah have? Yep. You know, if I told you they were up by that much at half, you'd be like, damn, it, how it much was, It was Hor- Horford and, and Bradley were dominating the game. And Crowder. I mean, yep. Brad, Isaiah Thomas had five points on one of four shooting at halftime when the game was basically over. He did have six assists, which is abnormally high for him. But he just it, – it just – it was – it just got out of hand, and you know, I, you, you know, whenever there's a blowout in the first half, you give the team that you like a window of opportunity to cut it. And ideally, a coach will say, "If it's if it's within ten by the end of the quarter, we're good. If we cut into the lead by halfway through the quarter, then we're even better." And so, you know, the Wizards came out of halftime, and you know, I think it got down to fifteen. No, it got down to thirteen. It got down to seventy-seven, sixty-four. Uh, Otto Porter scored on the layup, and I was like, "Okay, this is this is the run, you know. This is this is the run that we were looking for." Nope, didn't happen. Thomas hit a jump shot, then Bradley hit one, and Otto missed a three, and then it just it they they couldn't overcome the deficit, and it just they dug such a hole for themselves. And you you know you can only get on a run like that when you're actually playing well defensively, and that that just wasn't happening. So you know by the end of the, by the end of the quarter. It was right hovering around 20, and I just felt like that's that, that's a wrap. I didn't see anything on defense. I didn't see consecutive stops. I didn't see any any swagger from Wall or Beal. It just it just. I mean, literally, 
this is their worst performance in, in quite some time. I mean, even in the Atlanta series, I didn't see this at the end of the regular season. This, this is pretty bad. This is... You know, at, least, is, at least in that Atlanta game, John Wall was rolling offensively, right? You can't point to anything that went well for this team. Right. This is a pre-January performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that they some of the stink bombs that they did at the end of 2016. Rashad, the, the other thing that really stood out as well was just when I looked at the Boston and Cleveland, and I always would say that I thought that Boston was a tougher matchup for the Wizards because of the Wizards' strengths were, you know, Porter, Beal, Wall, you know, getting out and run, even Oubre, whereas I thought Boston with their their wings and then playing small was was a tough tougher than what Cleveland had to offer on that end. Obviously, we know that, you know, Kevin Love and LeBron, and I didn't know LeBron was going to go supernova the way he is, but I still felt that Boston holistically was a tougher matchup because of how well these guys could defend. And, dude, they defend, man. They were up in their asses. Like, Smart, Crowder, Bradley were making it tough to catch. The Wizards' offense early on was in a funk. I think the Wizards tried to maybe go too much to the the ISO game with guarding Thomas. I know it worked a couple times, but I felt like it kind of didn't get everyone involved, didn't get the ball moving. It was almost like, oh, let's just throw it to whoever Isaiah is going instead of it just being like, okay, let's do that once in a while. I I, I felt that 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 was to the detriment of the complete uh, offense, but it also was, I got to give credit to Boston, even though you know I hate to do it. They were hustling. I mean, there was a one play where the ball went out of bounds, and I don't know if it was Jalen Brown that saved it, and they were throwing it up, and a great pass, and run out for a dunk. And and it, it was just, they deserve all the credit for how they defended the Wizards, and a lot of the Wizards' problems early on and, and later on was because of how well Boston was playing, and we never saw the response from the Wizards, especially on the defensive end. And this game really was lost in the first half. You know, I mentioned this, the 16-0 run, the 22-10 to deficit, uh, but there was 15 fast break points in the first quarter. So the Wizards zero, and I would say half of those were just easy dunks. It was like, while Wall and Beal would go to the go to the rack, they would miss easy shots at the rim, wouldn't get a call, and nobody would rotate back. And then Boston would get the rebound and throw an outlet pass for a layup or dunk. Got the crowd going. Then Bradley started hitting jumpers, and it just avalanched from there. I have no idea how they allowed multiple, multiple baskets. Uh, it's not the first time Wall and Beal have drove, driven to the rim and not gone in. They should not give up a layup on the other end, right? Right. I mean, first of all, I think you're closer than I think I heard the drive. Oh, but yes, number two, yes, there it is. <laughs> but number two, I, I'm not going. I'm not going to give the Celtics credit, Adam, because nothing they did last night was anything is any different okay. than what they did the first two games. This is the same kind of defense that they had in the first two games. The difference then was that the Wizards were rolling and they got out to a lead. And then when Boston went on this, this kind of a run, they went on a 16-0 run yesterday, I believe. Yep. But the Wizards had a cushion. But the Wizards were at least active on defense. They weren't defending Isaiah Thomas well. Even in the game, he scored 53, but everyone else, they were kind of neutralizing or keeping from getting out of hand. This game, they didn't come out with an offensive burst. They weren't doing a good job defending everyone else except for Isaiah. And, you know, I, I, again, this this is on the Wizards. You're right. Wall and Beal went to the rack a lot. They weren't getting shots, but nobody was getting back on defense. The, I mean, the bench really didn't give them much of anything. I mean, Uber had 13. I, th- I thought Bogdanovich looked shook and lost. He was dribbling the ball weirdly, throwing bad passes. Uh, he was shot 1-7 of seven for six points. I mean, you cannot do that. Ubre did give some energy and had a couple good plays, but his points mostly were at the end of mop-up time. But Right, and I, I'm just saying, at what point 
is this not on the coach? Mm-hmm. And again, maybe that's not fair. Maybe this is on oh, wall and Ernie, real. Or Ernie Grunfeld for for using the whole summer uh, hundreds of million dollars on a shitty bench. No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going there because they're they're here. You know that's, yes, that's not, I know, I know. Yes. But I'm saying when I see Yamahimi and Brandon Jennings and Bogdanovich not doing much at all, and Jason Smith on the bench playing seven minutes and Sadoransky, I mean, it's just like wow, dude. We have all that cap room and all all. Nothing really materialized. Anyway, that that's an off season conversation, obviously. Yeah, because you can't you can't blame the bench when you have Avery, Avery Bradley scoring twenty nine points. Yep. You know, I mean, twenty five in the first half. Right. That has nothing to do with the bench. That has everything to do with the Wizards starters not balling. And you can argue that Brad Stevens he has a much better bench, but he hasn't really been managing his bench that well until this game. He got Jalen Brown in early, who had athleticism. Kelly, Olen- Kelly Olenek, as we discussed in our previous podcast, played better at home, as did Rozier, and Marcus Smart shot better. Marcus Smart had 11 rebounds, which is just amazing. And, you know, the bench played well. I'll give them that. But this is on the starters and not bringing the energy. And, and to me, this is, on, this is on Scott Brooks. I mean, part of what you have to do as a coach is get your team ready for the situation. And I hate to do this, but... We're doing this podcast while this Spurs Rockets game is on. Yep. And the and Spurs in nine sixty four, and there's ten minutes left in the fourth quarter. They what? do not have Kawhi Leonard. They do not have Tony Parker. Tim Duncan, who normally guides them in situations like this, is retired. And Popovich says something. He he said something. He said something in the fourth quarter slash overtime when Kawhi wasn't there, and he said something before the game because they are out competing. They're playing hard. They're overplaying. And I'm not comparing Popovich to Scott Brooks because that's not fair. But Scott Brooks has been—he's been to the NBA Finals. He's been in battles. He should know how to motivate his team. And I just feel like he just—he just dropped the ball. We won't know tomorrow night whether he's motiv- he's going to say the right things or is it the home cooking that's going to get him going. But he has to do something. He has to do—he has to be willing to kind of get out of his routine. Uh, because Brad Stevens is willing to do whatever it takes. There, there's no more. There's no more left to analyze in this game. The other part, I think, goes back into your point that I want to highlight about the starters is that at the end of the second quarter, you get all the starters back in. Right, five minutes left. The Wizards were down by twenty, so the, the offense goes on a little run. At this point, you're like, all right, starters, get this down to ten, eleven, twelve. Eight or nine, you know, something in the eight to twelve point range. You can go in the locker room and be like, "Oh, hey, we played poorly. You know, we had a bad start, but hey, we're only down ten. They could not get a stop, dude. I mean, the the offense started going, started humming, and they could. Bradley had a heat check. I mean, they couldn't get rebounds on some some plays, and it's you know sixty seven fifty one, and then. It goes back to the point you made that you thought there may be a run in the third quarter, and it wasn't, and this game was cooked. So, you know, the Wizards fall by 22 points. I guess the only thing left I have to say about this game, uh, you know, Bradley had 29, Horford had 19, Crowder had 18, Thomas had 18, Boston shot 16-33 to from three, so they hit 16 threes. Uh, they were 52, 53% from the field. Uh, free throws, and, uh, you know, they had 33 assists to 11 turnovers. The Wizards had 21 assists to 12 turnovers. A lot of that's because they made more shots. Rashad, I mean, 
there's not much more to discuss about this other than they laid an egg and now they have to somehow regroup and the staff and the players and Bradley Beal uh, 0-4 from 3 7-19 from the field 16 points in Boston another disappointing performance to have 16 points no threes in 35 minutes that's not what you need out of uh, you know we consider an all-star should have been the all-star game this year a player in a pivotal, pivotal game, like the sports announcers like to say, to any game in a series where it's tied. They're all pivotal. <laughs> right, and I, I agree, but I, I'm not going to put it on any one player because it was, it was they were collectively bad. I mean, I don't, yeah, you're right, you're right. They're, they're all yeah. bad, right? Yeah, so, I, I, you know, again, this is up to the coaches. The coaches have to, because Wall is not going to play badly at home. I don't expect Bill to play bad. I expect everybody to play well, but it, as usual... It's the defense. They have mm-hmm. to defend well, and I, I don't. I don't know what he's going to. I don't know what Scott Brooks is going to do, but they have to give. They at least show some effort. Get back on defense. You know. Yeah, get the give, getting back get, on defense is just like coaching one on one, man. Jesus. And give Ubre some credit. He played some great defense. I mean, he he was he was aggressive on offense. He played great defense. He made it a point to put his body. And to everyone he was guarding, primarily Isaiah Thomas, without getting extra handsy like he normally does. So I give him credit. He was focused. He was locked in. But unfortunately, he was the only one because he had an axe to grind because of what had happened in the previous game. So, uh, you know, well, I, speaking, speaking of Ubre Rashad, uh, what were your thoughts of the fuck you Ubre chant by those class, class, just classy sports fans up there in uh, Boston, Massachusetts? Just so classy. The- I mean, they didn't throw they didn't throw peanuts at them or racial slurs, so I guess they just went with an F U Ubre. I guess we did say refs you suck or booed Kelly or Kelly Olenek, but I don't know F U Ubre seems yeah, a little harsh. That doesn't make bad. I've heard some, some bad things in the Wizards stands, and I think you know that's one of those things we don't pay attention to unless it's focused on on the team that we like or that we cover. I don't care about that. As fans, you're supposed to do that, and you're you're supposed to antagonize a player who's antagonize your player, which. We did with 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 Kelly Olynyk. So well, it reminded that, me that, when like Maryland, me. I remember when Maryland fans went after JJ Redick and Terp fans, and I you know I have some Maryland buddies, and I'd be like, ah, it's a little, a little harsh. I know you hate Duke, and I know JJ Redick sucks. You know he's very hateable, but like once you got the whole student section yelling, F, "Fuck you, man!" That's just come on. That's the bad look for you. Yeah, but I mean, had they come out and play like the way they've been starting, that. They could have shut everything up. I mean, it would have been dead true. silent. That's you know, true. so they, they, how badly the Wizards played was just exacerbated by that, that Oubre, or fuck Oubre thing. I, that doesn't bother me. Well, but what, what's concerning here is that we have, the Boston Celtics have now put the Wizards in a situation where they have never been. And the kind of elimination game they've never had to face. Because if you remember, the other times the Wizards were in the playoffs, either Wall was hurt, or there was somebody hurt and they weren't at full strength. And there was always a, that was part of the frustration of them losing because they weren't. It was a what if, what if so-and-so had been healthy. Everybody's healthy. And they're on the brink of elimination against a team, regardless of the seed, that they're better than, that they should be beating. I mean, that game two, when Wall and Bill missed inside of a minute, that's a game they should have won. Yeah. And Up six it, with two minutes left. I mean, we're, they're gonna think about that all summer if they don't pull this out on Friday night. Exactly. So they're they're playing with a kind of pressure that they have never felt, and so I'm, you know, I'm, I, I worry that, I just I just you hope that Scott Brooks is able to say the correct things 
to get them ready, to keep them calm, to have them playing their best. Because what you don't want is for them to get down 10 points and for them to get so tight that they start playing, as you said earlier, as you alluded to earlier, they start playing iso ball and hero ball and John Wall starts trying to, you know, John Wall does this thing that works against everybody else where he kind of yo-yos the ball. Yep. It doesn't work against Avery Bradley. It just does not. No, Avery Bradley. He's a great. Def- he's a great defender. He plays space. I want Paul to play loose and freaky, and to do the kind of things that Greg Anthony was so happy about, which is the fancy passes, the you know feeling like he can direct any of his players to where he needs them to be and make the pass. That's the ball you want to see. Don't want him to feel like he has to play hero ball. And so I know it's cliche, and I know I say this often, Adam. To me. The first five ten minutes are are crucial. Because if you get behind, the first thing I'm going to look at and the first thing I'm going to tweet about is body language. You know what? What is Bradley Bill's body language? What's going on with 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 Gortat and Morris? Are they complaining? Are they getting frustrated? So, is the crowd getting restless? Are they booing? So this. Well, well I, mean, I mean, let's go back. I mean, the game three, they go on that crazy run. The crowd's into it. They're lit. The Wizards. Did not play that well in the first half, but they battled back in the second quarter to tie it up, and they went on the insane run in the third quarter and ended it, right? So you have early in the first half and then early in the second half that the Wizards got the crowd and ignited them on these monster runs, which which basically just ripped Boston apart. And you're right. They have to get out to some type of similar way where they can't get down 10 or 15 where to crawl back to even. Like, we keep harping on but it's true because they have to feed off the crowd. They've been one of the better home teams in the NBA. They are, what are they, 4-0 at home in the playoffs? They haven't lost. So, yeah, it, it has to happen, right? Right. I, and I'm sorry, they're 5-0. 5-0, right? Yeah, 5-0 in the playoffs. Three against Atlanta and two against Boston. So, what are so aside from that, the coaching adjustments and getting off to a good, good start, what do you see out of certain players or matchups? Or at this point, I mean, in Game Six of a series, you know, you know, do we say the whole thing that some reporter's going to ask them, like who's the tougher one? You know, I did. I guess I did mention tougher on my my keys earlier, but I don't know how you actually measure that. I, I kind of measured it by loose balls and rebounds and effort. That I did anything about like fisticuffs or anything, but you know, steals and defensively. That's how I kind of manifest toughness. More so than just like some type of like shenanigans or the team that wins is tougher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, the key tomorrow is is defense, defending your man, knowing when to go under a screen, which is never, and when to fight over a screen, and trusting your teammates that okay, I couldn't I couldn't get to where I needed to be, but they're going to cover for me. That that's the key. Maybe you're willing to get some early fouls. Just, just to set the tone that you're going to defend well and you're going to defend hard because that's that's it. If you if you slow Isaiah and you get everyone else kind of taking bad shots or taking rush shots, the Wizards never have a problem with offense. It's going to come. But that's that's the key is winning your matchup on defense. And it sounds I sound like a damn coach right now, but you know it is a cliche. But when you watch that last game and they didn't win any of their matches their matchups on defense you see what a difference it makes yep. the how, many def- how many deflections they get how many steals they get how many runouts they get right if Boston, yeah. there was, Boston did whatever they wanted to do they dictated everything and they even dictated on the offensive or on the defensive end themselves where the Wizards spacing was bad or you know too many like one on one ISO plays and they were always on their heels from the jump 
essentially from 4-0. <laughs> it was over. Right. And, that's, and that's what they were doing so well on in Game 4 that had Isaiah Thomas so frustrated. It wasn't that Isaiah Thomas was getting fouled and that he was getting the rest weren't calling it. It was that he was losing the ball. It was causing turnovers, and the Wizards were running. That's what they have to get back to. Yeah, I agree. The other thing that stands out now I was thinking about is that the Washington Wizards, as a franchise here in the John Wall era, the, it's the third year they've made the postseason, three out of the last four years, that they are in the same situation they were 2014 and 15, down two games to three at home for game six. In 2014, they lost to the Pacers. In 2015, they lost to the Hawks. And so if the Wizards would lose this game on Friday night, I'm not trying to jinx it, I'm not on wood right now, is that they literally would be at the same exact result as Randy Whitman did those two years. And here's the deal. I think they're a better team. They have a better offense. Uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal are better players. I, I think they have better chemistry maybe than the 2015 team did. I think the 2014 had some good chemistry. They maybe overachieved, especially against that Bulls team. Uh, and I think the Pacers maybe, and Whitman didn't have the adjustments. In 2015, obviously, it was marred by John Wall. But they they have more explosive offense. You know, they didn't really have a shooter off the bench like Bogdanovich. You know, Martel was was washed, and uh, they you know they let uh, Ariza walk for Pierce, but Pierce couldn't really do it most mostly on both ends. I mean, this team is better than those two teams, and has showed it in the playoffs with better performances. But yet, if they do not pull it out on Friday, they literally have the same exact result, and that John Wall is pretty much once again plateaued in the postseason. Nah, I, I, I don't. You're not buying that. I, I know not, they missed it last year. So I know it's a whole different group, but I'm just talking when I look at John Wall and this conversation we're going to have in the summer about him staying and all this. And I know it's different because Scott Brooks, you know, it's a flesh slate for him. And, and this is, you know, we, we want, you know, uh, here, God, I'm going to sound like Ted Leonsis. I'm just going to keep starting it whenever I want to start. Uh, you know, the rebuild. I'll just keep resetting, and then I'll start the rebuild from there, and won't count back the other years. Like they don't, like the Andre Blotch, Javale McGee years don't count. For him, or the Gilbert Arenas years don't count, or uh, all the other, Ernie, or the Ernie Grunfeld's tenure before he bought the team doesn't come in. It's like he didn't even happen, even though Ted Leonsis was the minority owner the whole entire fucking time uh, in the same building. But Rashad, you think that that it, maybe I'm overreacting that this is completely different? Yeah, well, I think we have to wait. We got to wait until tomorrow before we we uh, we dredge we dredge up that narrative yeah. because I. You know, if they if they win tomorrow and lose a game seven, then they're they're a step beyond. I mean, by a hair, but they're a step beyond where Randy Whitman went. So, True. you know, and you could argue that those past two years, when they lost to Atlanta and when they lost to Indiana, they were not the better team. You probably, know, probably not. They were not when they lost to the Hawks. The Hawks were the number one seed. The Wizards were five, and when they lost to Indiana, uh, I don't. I don't know offhand, but I think Indiana was the two seed. So, you know, I don't. It's it's not the same situation. Uh, there's a better team, regardless of the seed this time. So maybe it's worse. I don't know, but I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to start down that road. We can save that for the postmortem whenever it comes. Okay. But for now. Okay. For now. You know, I I I think that they defense has to be the focus. It's the thing that we talked about going at the end of the regular season. We we were worried about. Would they be able to defend? They played so well offensively of late that it really wasn't an issue, but it became an issue when Avery Bradley puts up a career high, a career playoff high. So, 
Yeah, I mean, he combined for 12 points in the two games in D.C. and had 29. He had 25 at halftime, like I said. So here he has more points in one half than he did in two games in D.C. I mean, that's... Right. I mean, by he had 13 more points. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And Crowder only had 20 points in D.C. and had 18 points uh, last night. And then even Horford had huge blocks. He was protecting the rim. He was facilitating the offense a lot more in the high post than he was in the games in D.C. too. I mean, he was definitely a difference maker for them. Right. So, uh, so Rashad, I did not start with this because I didn't want to make uh, all Wizards and Caps fans uh, depressed. But once again, this, this Wednesday night set up to be with the Cavs game in Game 7, the Wizards in Game 5, the almost exact same situation as 2015, uh, where the Wizards play the Hawks and the Wizards are in Game 5 in Atlanta, and the Islanders and the Cavs played in Game 7. And those two games, the uh, Cavs lost in overtime to the Islanders, and the Wizards uh, lost on Al Horford, uh, there's that guy's name again, Tippin. Uh, some people still blame Danae for that rebound. I still blame some calls from the refs. And the Wizards fall, and then obviously they lost game six. Last night sets it up, and then of course uh, the Wizards get their ass kicked, and then the, the Caps get shut out two to nothing in game seven. Is there a DC sports curse here, Rashad? Because I woke up today in a rainy nation's capital, depressed about the Caps, even though I can't even ice skate. I don't even really follow hockey that much, I pretend, but I was all in on the cast. I've been all in for since I've lived here. Uh, and, you know, the Wizards now dug themselves in a hole. It's not a mortal wound, but it's a wound. And there was four outcomes last night that could have happened with these two games, and it's the worst one that happened. Uh, how cursed are we, uh, even though the Nets did come back and beat the Orioles, even though I like the Orioles too as well. Uh, and that's just one of 162 games where these, these mean a lot more. And Rashad, is there a curse? How do you feel? Or what's just the mood you talk to of people about this one-two punch of the Wizards and Caps? Living in the city for people listening that don't reside in the area anymore. I, I think you have to parse it out a little more. I mean, the Wizards are on the brink of going further than, than they ever have. First-year coach, they blew up the roster and only kept the starting five from the previous year. That's, I mean, I know nobody wants to hear that moral victory, but this isn't, this isn't the same situation. The Nationals... It's too new to be cursed. They, you know, they've had some bad luck with pitching. So I take the Nationals and the Wizards out of it. But the Capitals, yeah. <laughs> they, not only did you lose to your you nemesis, your, your rival, you're the best team in the league, and you lost to a, a team where their best player may or may not been either concussed, concussed or facing concussion-like symptoms. So they're and then, cursed. And, and, and then they didn't even score. And then they didn't even score too. It's like. Right. Oh, uh, and I don't even acknowledge the Washington football team because I'm an Eagles fan, so I can give a damn. But I'm not going to – it's too it's too early, particularly with the Wizards still out there and the Nationals playing well, to just put a bow on it and say there's a curse. I think there are teams who are cursed, like the Capitals. I think there are teams that have made extensively poor decisions like the Washington football team, and I think the Nats are too new. So I'm not – it's not a curse. It's just that last night was particularly bad, um, but the Nats came back and won. So, yeah. And I thought it was a big deal if the Nats came back and won, seeing that the previous night their shitty bullpen blew the game and they lost. <laughs> yeah. won. Those, are, those are baby steps. Yeah, it, it was funny to see Weeders and uh, Jason Worth, both former Orioles. Worth was drafted by the Orioles, have big hits there. Uh, and then Weeders obviously played for Baltimore for a long time, uh, have huge hits. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rashad, I was in 18 innings for the Nats game. I was at the game that they 
you know, both games where the closer melted down uh, last year, you know, the Dodgers. The thing about last year, the Nats and the Dodgers, it's like the Nats came back every game they lost and had a chance. And I don't blame – like, they didn't choke – like, choking is when, like, you blew a lead and you should have won, right? I felt like the Dodgers played well enough to win. That's what took that, – that loss took well. The Caps are just – Last year, I thought the Penguins played better and deserved to win. And the, the most simple thing about the the Cavs is just just lose a game five. Like, why'd you have to dominate them in game six and then and then go back home so you could just do this Cavs thing to me uh, and then and then not score and then pretty much they gave up in the third period. It was pretty miserable. Like, I switched over to watch it on the big screen and the Wizards literally getting their asses kicked on the small TV and the Cavs. Can't even get a shot off down two. And it was just like watching a slow bleed die. And then I wake up and it's cold and rainy and gloomy. It reminded me of November 9th. I was like, oh my God, why do I like sports, Rashad? I didn't want a podcast today. I told you it'd only be 30 minutes and we're at 35 minutes. And I did and I feel a little bit better, Rashad. Uh me and okay. Uh let's end this, Mr. Mobley. Me and you are gonna be at the game tomorrow. Uh in the phone booth. 8 p.m. Is it TNT, ESPN? I don't know. Check your local listings. Uh, Rashad, any parting thoughts before we get the hell out of here? I think the Wizards are going to win tomorrow. I think they're going to look good. Uh, and then we can worry about how they're going to win on the road in Game 7. But I think they'll win tomorrow. And Yeah, then we can talk about the Cavs after that because they've had like a month off. Alright, well thank you everyone for listening. Go to truthaboutit.net. Check out our stuff. We'll have a bunch of hot pixels uh, stay positive because I do feel that the Wizards at home are a different team and we're not going to go out like some chump ass bitches uh, like how Boston fans act alright uh, thank you all for listening and as always go Wizards peace mother effing out at Boston are you moving much too fast And the good times that just don't last If you're always on the go Make an angel in the snow And freeze Do you feel like you're stuck in time Forever waiting on that line If nothing ever moves Put that needle to the groove And sing
It's alright. 